Hey Rollers, Josh here. Thank you all so much for your generous donations during our fundraiser livestream. Thanks to you, we raised $800 for Mutual Aid Disaster Relief in Richmond. An on-the-fly stretch goal that you suggested for breaking $700 was to release another episode of Brandon and Alex's $5 tier Patreon-exclusive deep dive into QPR lore, Alarian Archives. After a quick consultation with some fans, we're releasing a fan favorite, Episode 8. Is Alita a cultist? I hope you all enjoy, and thanks again. Keep on rolling. Hey guys, and welcome to Alarian Archives, the special episode where Brandon and I argue on whether or not Alita's in a cult. Also Patreon exclusive. Uh, yeah, so... We were talking about doing, oh, let's do an episode about just dragon worship and how that works. And I think, I can't remember if I made a comment at one point or just all of us collectively made a comment about Alita seems kind of like a cultist. She's not. Like, she's not like, okay. So dragon worship in QPR is instead of being like in general, the worship of dragons or the worship of Tiamat and Bahamut, it is focused more on the on the worship of individual dragons with a dragon having one or more priests and priestesses that serve mm -hmm. them directly. Mm -hmm. um, it's sort of like being a cleric, only you can kind of high five the scaly hand of your god. Mm-hmm. Um, but you wanted to make the argument that especially like the, the dragon priest, and we're going to use the example of Alita since she's the one we have, mm -hmm. uh, how that argues as a cult. And I am super ready to have this fight. I mean, it's not a fight. I just want to go through this and have a discussion. He wants um, to have a fight. No, I don't. I really don't know if I have the energy for that, but I would like to have a conversation of sort of cult, sect, religious movement. So what I've done is have called up some, uh, uh, information uh, of some checklists that we can go through to ask and answer to try to determine whether or not Alita is in fact involved in a cult. I mean, okay. All right. So uh, the first thing we'll talk about is um, sort of three characteristics of cults as defined by psychiatrist Robert J. Lifton, who taught at Harvard and wrote a, a paper called Cult Formation in the 80s. And he delineated three primary characteristics, which are the most common features shared by destructive cults. Am I ever going to get to talk about like the system of dragon worship? Um, maybe that can be part two of this discussion. All right. Fantastic. Yeah. Strap in, guys. Yeah. Uh, so point one, common feature shared by destructive cults. A charismatic leader who increasingly becomes an object of worship as the general principles that may have originally sustained the group lose power. That is a living leader who has no meaningful accountability and becomes the single most defining element of the group and its source of power and authority. Okay. That's when it's a person who's like, yeah, let's love and peace, but actually drink this Kool-Aid. Alden is a dragon, uh -huh. which is a not only force of like magical power, it's also a source of magical power. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yes or no? Does he have uh, any meaningful accountability? I mean, I does he have a boss? He, he's a dragon. You wanna you uh, wanna put a citation on a dragon, Brandon? Uh huh. Uh, so would you say that he is the single most defining element of Alita's position? As a dragon priestess. Of Alita's position, yes. I will, however, say that in pre-Draconic War, mm -hmm. uh, the dragons were more accountable to one another. Mm -hmm. 
Alden is unfortunately sort of sitting in this world where he's the last one. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, you know, who checks the president when the Supreme Court and the Senate and the House have all been exploded? Mm -hmm. Um, Would you say that he is the source of power and authority for this group? He's the source of Alita's magical abilities. Okay. Theoretically. Okay. He is theoretically the source of Alita's magical abilities. And I want to be very emphatic on that. All right. I'm going to put, uh, I'm going to write down one, two, and three for these three points we're talking about right here. All right. I get the first, I see there's a check by the first one. I've put a check mark by the first one because I believe we have determined objectively that Lord Alden, and let's talk about that name later, (laughs) has, uh, has met the characteristics of being a focal point charismatic leader from whom authority derives and has no meaningful accountability. I don't like the look you're giving me. You look so excited. Is, is this, is this how you were when, when you were doing a lot of active journalism stuff is you were just like gleefully like, (laughs) I get very excited when I feel like I'm right. And I start asking questions that go in that direction. Of course you do. Um, point number two, A process of indoctrination or education is in use that can be seen as coercive persuasion or thought reform, commonly called brainwashing. Now, let me let me uh, sort of append a corollary to that. Uh, No, you're using this guy's. It's a corollary question. It's a corollary question. Um, Was Alita raised in this culture of dragon worship to become a priestess for Lord Alden? Was she presented with other opportunities for her life and chose this? Or was it expected of her that she would grow in in this, let's call it for objectivity's sake, organization, (laughs) this system of beliefs, uh, was it expected that she would rise through its ranks and become a priestess? Alita, so this this might not actually help the argument that they're not a cult, but I want it like... (laughs) But I want to be very clear. Alita never expressed a desire, nor did she ever feel a desire to not be a priestess because her mother was one. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was very, very close to her mother. Her mother was her only family. Mm-hmm. You know, so in looking up to her mother, mm-hmm. she wanted to be just like her mother. So she, too, wanted to be a priestess. She was educated as far as, like, magic. She was educated in so far as like history, especially in related to the Draconic War and all that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she was educated in Elmaine's beliefs, but she was not, there's no like, she didn't go to like Dragon Sunday School. She didn't Mm -hmm. like, her education was not exclusively related to her training as a priest. Mm -hmm. That's the same way that like she has these weird holes in her, in her knowledge. Like she doesn't remember that like how, she doesn't remember how money works Mm -hmm. really, but she does know a lot about like various kings and queens and histories Mm -hmm. because for her, that's the thing that she learned but when it comes to like money and stuff, that's never a thing that she felt like she needed to know. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. So I, again, that's why she has those weird knowledge holes. Let me ask you this. So her mother was a priestess. Yes. And she never had any desire to be anything other than a priestess when she was growing up. Yes. 
Now, could that be because raised in this insular, isolating cult environment, she just didn't think or understand there were any other options for her in life? Well, no. How many times had she left the Glade before she left? It actually doesn't matter. Uh, oh. Be, well, no, no, <laughs> I'm very serious. It doesn't matter because Elmaine wasn't the only nymph in that glade. Okay. If you recall, there was an apothecary. Mm -hmm. If you recall, there were nymphs that were tending various plants. There were other things that Alita could do. Mm -hmm. There were other roles. Now, all of the nymphs and the fairies in the glade of the nymphs, mm -hmm. even if they don't exactly worship Lord Alden, they mm -hmm. care for Lord Alden because he is the protector of their glade. Mm-hmm. Um, but Alita had options. Even if she never mm -hmm. left her glade, she had choices other than becoming a priestess. Mm -hmm. But given her natural gift of prophecy on top of being raised a priest, like not being raised a priest, but being raised by a priest, you know, there, there was a whole lot of, you know, you want to be just like, you know, she wanted to be just like her mom mm -hmm. and her mom had prophecy. So did she. So, you know, she was like, well, clearly this is my destiny. Mm -hmm. It wasn't something that Elmaine or Alden specifically encouraged in her, mm -hmm. but they also didn't discourage her. Okay. Well, let me talk a minute uh, about something from the International Cultic Studies Association that talks about- No matter what my answers are, you're going to go, is a cult. I'm just, we're having a discussion. <laughs> Is all I'm presenting my my supporting evidence in this discussion, and it will. Be it doesn't help that she wears her hood and a mask all the time. That just means she's Batman. <laughs> Alita's her parents are maybe dead. We don't know a whole lot about Alita's dad but as of right now. What I say is we have this discussion, and then we let our listeners vote on whether or not it's a cult. But what I was going to say They're is... They're all going to be like, we feel bad for Alex. She yeah. tries so hard. She can't even escape in Alarian archives. Uh, so... Uh, I want to talk about the cult as a socializing system. So the cult environment may be viewed as a socializing system, which is much more influential on children than adults, because children in this setting are in the process of developing their sense of self and their view of the world and their identity, while adults who join a cult have an identity formed outside of the cult. So one could argue that Alita, being brought up in this environment, maybe never had any true like mental autonomy, because all of it was normalized for her. I don't know. Um, I'm going to tell you right now. Elmaine, I will say, I will, before you go further, I will say, I do not believe she was brainwashed. No, I'm not she was saying, decidedly not. And I I'm know not that's saying not what that. you're saying. Yeah. Um, I will tell you that that would, that makes the argument that being the priestess is mm -hmm. always sort of treated as a good thing within that social mm -hmm. environment. Elmaine was not beloved by the other nymphs. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some things that are going to come up, I think, but um, they blamed her for mm -hmm. some stuff that occurred. And as a result, she was treated civilly mm -hmm. because of her position, and that's exclusively it. Mm -hmm. She was not venerated, and Alita did not grow up having her venerated as anything other than Alita venerated her because she was her mom. Mm -hmm. um, but this was not – it was not – uh, being the priestess of Alden is not a position of social clout okay. for them. So I, I see your argument, but I would make I, – I would strongly lean against the, you know, indoctrination bit mm -hmm. of it. Uh, indoctrination is probably the wrong word because that implies some sort of active intent. Mm -hmm. I would maybe say instead acculturation. 
Mm, again, though, if you want to make that argument, though, she would be far more likely to be significantly more nymph-like mm -hmm. than Alita is. It's actually been commented a couple of times. And I've had people talk to me a couple of times about how they forget Alita's a nymph mm -hmm. because she doesn't really act like one, which my knee-jerk response is like, should she be running nude in the woods? I don't know what, what you want from her. She's got stuff to do. Mm -hmm. But um, Alita's, Alita's nature is significantly less nymph-like than you would sort of expect her to be. Mm -hmm. if, if it was a purely, you know, a cultured thing and her peer group is to be factored into that, she should be significantly more wild and fey than she actually is. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think, that, I think that Alita's sense of devotion and her, like, deep passion for this prophecy and setting the world right has a lot more to do in in my personal opinion has a lot more to do with alita's personal convictions and her personality mm -hmm. than it has to do with her feeling that she owes something to the worship of alden or that being a priestess imbues in her personal responsibilities mm -hmm. like she sees a lot of her stuff as responsibilities of a priestess but she sees it far more that she is responsible to make the prophecy work because she's the person who can mm -hmm. and significantly less about and honestly she doesn't even really see herself as much of an active part of the prophecy she sees mm -hmm. it as you guys mm -hmm. um but I think it's a lot less to do with I must fulfill my duty to Alden and significantly – like, I mean, definitely there's a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of it is more this is the right thing to do and this is how I need to be the one to do it. Okay. I'm going to put a half check down for that's, this one. That's fair. Because I think both of us have points in our favor on this one. Yeah, I would I would agree. Um, okay. So the um, third – item on this particular common features checklist is uh, economic or other exploitation of group members by the leader and the ruling Kotiri. And I would focus on the other exploitation. Because there's not of, really yeah. a financial system for the nymphs. Yeah, it's not it's not multi-level dragoning. It's, it's trade. Like yeah. it's Yeah. But I'm really sad that uh, you know, Johannes didn't talk more to that nymph shopkeeper because mm -hmm. I was really excited yeah. to go in how they how they would buy stuff from from them. <laughs> so, like, you can talk a little bit about like sort of the destructiveness of groups when you're talking about this kind of exploitation, uh, and it all like it varies by degree because you can be talking about anything from like labor violations, other kind of abuse, medical neglect, uh, isolated isolation, uh, or calls for violence and stuff. But um, I think in this part, it like this kind of exploitation could best be exemplified by Alden saying like, you have to go out into the dangerous world with your no life experience <laughs> with these goons and save the world. It seems a little bit exploitative, which the way was paved for her being amenable to it by being acculturated in this environment of dragon worship. I mean, I would I would make the argument then that any person who is put forth as you're the chosen one, it's the des it's your destiny mm -hmm. is is like that. I mean, that's a whole other argument about is there free will. I mean, okay, <laughs> chill entirely out, but like 
I'm talking about like in all fantasy stuff. Mm -hmm. Like if you're talking about like the TV show Merlin, where it's Mm -hmm. like your destiny is to save Arthur. And he's like, but I don't want to do that. And they're Mm -hmm. like, too bad, kiddo, go do this thing. And he's like, Mm -hmm. okay. Like that's 90% of Merlin episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you tell I've been watching a lot of it with Brie? That's the whole thing with like Aragorn in Lord of the Rings. And it's like, you need to be king of Gondor. And he's like, no, I'm a ranger. And it's like, well, you got your destiny to be king. And he goes, spoilers, man. Yeah. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go get a bunch of ghosts to fight a war for me. Like, Mm -hmm. you can't make that argument for Alita and ignore it for like other fantasy tropes. Mm -hmm. Like the chosen one trope, while I can admit it's problematic in and of itself, you know, that's, uh, that's sort of a fantasy staple. Mm -hmm. Now to get to the broader part of the question of, you know, this was an exploitation of Alita. I don't know if it's an exploitation for it to be the person who can do something is expected to do something. Mm -hmm. Um, Alita had the prophecy and came to Alden with the prophecy. And Alden was like, all right, sounds like we need to make this work because you can, you can write this thing that went wrong Mm -hmm. because the, the dragons disappearing and Alden has said this was never supposed to happen. Um, it, it, it's, I know it's going to come up later in the cast, but something happened that went really, really wrong. Um, and Alden, Alden's got a lot of feelings about it because Alden mm-hmm. knows more than he lets on mm-hmm. about a lot of this. Mm-hmm. And, um, Alden actually did not want to send Alita. Mm-hmm. He really didn't, especially after Elmaine's death. Uh, Alden is incredibly fond of Alita. I think he sort of looks, he looks at her almost Mm -hmm. as like a daughter kind Mm -hmm. of figure because he helped raise her. Mm -hmm. Um, he's immensely fond of Alita. He loves her very, very dearly. And he didn't want her to go out. Mm -hmm. His ultimate goal in the beginning before Alita's prophecy was keep Alita in the glade, keep all the nymphs and fairies in the glade and have this be a safe place that he could protect. One could argue that he has created an isolated place where his subjects do not have ac- easy access to outside opinions or views. I mean, they can, I mean, yeah, you <laughs> could make that argument, but it, it's a lot less that Alden wants to exercise control and a lot more that Alden is ancient. We've we've established that. We've talked mm-hmm. about it several times. Spoilers. We, we talked about <laughs> it in another Laurie Archive episode. <laughs> Um, that was like, for Josh's benefit. That was oh god, Josh was so angry. He's like, "That's a spoiler." I'm like, "Is it?" <laughs> but that means that Alden was around for the Draconic War. Mm-hmm. Alden, I'm not going to actually spoil stuff, but like Alden, Alden carries a lot on him mm-hmm. from that. And I think, given his history, recoiling into the Glade with the Nymphs and trying to protect the Glade. Mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. And mm-hmm. Alita, of all of them, is the most precious to him. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she's like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to find these people, you know, really tore him up, even though it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alden did ultimately send her out, but it was upon her insistence because yeah. Alita wanted to save the world. Alita wants to do the right thing. She wants mm-hmm. to protect the world just like Alden wants to protect the Glade. But... Alden ultimately sort of bent to Alita being like, this is, this is what we need to do. This is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. U- ultimately, Alden kind of wanted to just be like, no, you stay, <laughs> be safe. 
Um, he didn't want to necessarily like mother Gothel it and like lock her up in a tower, but he was he was not excited for Alita to be in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was with her prophecy and her being like, I see this succeeding. I see what will happen if we win. Mm-hmm. That he's like, okay. So would you say he has an unreasonable fear about the outside world, such as impending catastrophe, evil conspiracies, or persecutions? No. I don't okay. think it's unreasonable at all because that's literally what the world outside the glade is like. Mm-hmm. There are chromatic dragons who are trying to wipe out all worshippers mm-hmm. of the metallics. Mm-hmm. There are actual evil conspiracies going forth. Like there are all these terrible things and he knows of okay. them. I don't think he's being like tinfoil hat paranoid. Mm-hmm. I think he's being silver yeah. circlet reasonable. Uh-huh. There are no tinfoil dragons anymore. There are no tinfoil dragons. They were lost a thousand years ago in another <laughs> uh, war. So, all right, for point three, I'm going to put an X on there because even I can't argue that it rises to that standard. Yeah. But very quickly before we end, I want to go down the 10 point warning sign list of a potentially unsafe group or leader. I do want to point out though, that we are literally deadlocked with one check, one half check and one X. I know. This is great. This is kind of perfect actually. But all right. So, uh, the group leader is the exclusive means of knowing the truth or receiving validation. No other process of discovery is really acceptable or credible. No, I don't think that that's credit. I don't think that that's accurate given how Alden is like, yes, there is prophecy and Mm -hmm. yes, there is like ancient knowledge and, you know, Alden is old as balls. So he's like, well, back in my day, Mm -hmm. here's what happened. I used to wear an onion on my belt because that was the style of the time. Yeah, because he's very, very old. And they're like, hey, old guy, you have a lot of experience. Um, But he is not. If you you can disagree with Alden, Alita does pretty mm-hmm. regularly when it's mm-hmm. when it's Alden and Alita talking. But no one is he he doesn't bite you in half if you disagree with him. He's mm-hmm. very reasonable, he's very wise and he's very calm. Um it's just most people kind of go along with him because they're like, "Oh, well, you know, he's been around for thousands of years, he knows what he's doing." Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot less like he is ineffable and a lot more well, he probably knows what we're, what he's doing, so, and things are going okay so far, so we'll roll with this. Okay. Uh, the group slash leader is always right. Um, Alden is pretty usually right, yes, mm-hmm. so I will make one – I will make a, a, a ping for that. Um, there haven't been a whole lot of arguments where a nymph out-argues a very powerful ancient dragon, mm-hmm. um, which strikes me as sort of duh, but, mm-hmm. you know, you can add that little check if it makes you feel better. Let me ask you a leading question for the next one. Does uh, How does Alita feel about herself? Does she feel like she's li- living up to what Lord Alden wants from her? Um, that ha- You know the answer to that, but I would make the uh, amendment that that is not Lord Alden's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Alita feels... Desperate, Alita desperately wants to live up to what, not who her mother was, mm-hmm. but who she thinks her mother was. Mm-hmm. She really wants that. Um, and she wants to be, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to not spoil it, but give you guys some insight into Alita's mind. When she first had this prophecy, mm-hmm. when she first realized that like, I'm going to go on a journey with these chosen ones and I'm going to save the world. She thought she was going to live a Final Fantasy game. Mm-hmm. She thought that there was going to be like this dashing hero prince character mm-hmm. that they were going to fall madly in love with mm-hmm. as they went on this journey. And there would be like this 
older father type figure that was going to like look after her. There was going to be like a woman there that she became best friends with and that they would all y'all would ultimately bond as a found family and that it was mm-hmm. going to be this like big, huge. That's what happened, though. Johannes is the handsome prince. Boat is the older father figure. And Solinar is the best friend. <laughs> I mean, that's not how she thought it was going to go, though. Like, uh-huh. ultimately, yes, you all have absolutely bonded as like a, fa- a, a found family. Mm-hmm. But the way Alita thought it was going to happen mm-hmm. didn't. And she's still kind of reeling from that. She's getting a lot better. I think a lot of her crankiness towards Solonar, she was really mean to Solonar for a really good part of the early early mm-hmm. journey. I think a lot of that was because in Solonar was a lot of her dashed hopes mm-hmm. of what the journey was going to be. Mm-hmm. Like, Boat has been, despite the fact that he is an absolute ham sandwich of a person, He's very reasonable, and mm-hmm. a lot of his stuff has been, no, this is what's practical for the mission. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of like, okay, sure. And Johannes is dumb. Uh-huh. And Alita doesn't fault Johannes for being dumb, especially considering that he's along for the ride, even though he's not a chosen one. Mm-hmm. He's not in he she didn't see him in her prophecy. Mm-hmm. Um Eek and and a lot of a lot of I actually had one of our listeners who's a friend of mine come up to me and he's like, I really don't like Alita. And I was like, why? You know, which I don't think that it's unreasonable not to like her. But mm-hmm. I was kind of like, well, why don't you like her? And she's like, well, she keeps, you know, defending Eek and making excuses for Eek. And I'm like, I think there are two reasons that's happening. Mm-hmm. One, Eek is the closest thing to a dragon that mm-hmm. is in the group. So she's like, oh, this, this is safe. I know mm-hmm. how this works. And the other, th- and I think she just has a lot of innate deference to dragony and dra- dragons mm-hmm. and dragony things. That's why Felix is her best mm-hmm. friend. Um, I think the other thing is she wants to protect Eek because she thinks he's this sweet little innocent thing that doesn't know any better. And she wants, you know, mm-hmm. she wants them to, you know, be safe in the world. You know, however well that worked out. Right. Um, but... What she thought you guys were going to be and what you actually ended up being are very similar but different enough that she Mm -hmm. still feels – disappointment's the wrong word, but I don't know of another Mm -hmm. word that's close enough. Well, the whole reason I was asking that is because another part of this checklist is followers feel they can never be good enough. Alita never feels like she's – she can be good enough, but that's because it's (laughs) – that's less to do with the influence of of the dragons and Mm – what she grew up in and a lot more to deal with Alita's internalized a lot of stuff about herself Mm -hmm. that has mostly come from herself. Alita's very harsh on herself. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's not Alden's influence. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's the influence of she built her mother up to be a bigger person than Elmaine was Mm -hmm. and is now kind of trying to reach the same level as a person who was never real. Okay. All right. Next, uh, there are records, books, news articles, or broadcast reports that document the abuses of the group slash leader. That is not a thing that exists in the world. Okay. Uh, former members often relate the same stories of abuse and reflect a similar pattern of grievances. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, pretty much all metallic priests and priestesses are dead. So no one can do nothing. Um you know, I'm going to give that a check mark because that in itself is a very frightening statistic. Well, it's because all the <laughs> all the former members are dead. <laughs> that as a 
lot less to do with like it's a cult and like Alden's putting out hits and a lot more to Alden's greatest hits, if you were, and a lot more to do with the fact that that's the thing y'all are trying to fix. I'll, I'll give you a half check on that. Sure. Then. Why not? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, there is no legitimate reason to leave. Former followers are always wrong in leaving, negative or even evil. I mean... <sighs> Given that the data point is essentially two mm-hmm. on people that could leave as far as like people who actively worship Alden with Elmaine and mm-hmm. and Alita, like the other nymphs don't leave because why would they? Like there's mm-hmm. there's not a driving force for them to leave their forest. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a lot less to do with like, oh, well, we're, you know, there's no reason to leave and a lot more to do with their nymphs. They live in the woods and they want to live in their glade. Mm-hmm. Um, Alita's not marked as evil for leaving. Um, Elmaine was not marked as evil if she ever consider wouldn't have been marked as evil if she'd considered leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, there would be a lot of like, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. That's weird because nymphs are, and glades are like things that go together. Mm-hmm. Nymphs live in glades. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, bears living in woods. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's the same thing. So you would say that if they left, people would think, well, that's kind of a wrong decision. But I okay. don't think they think it was wrong. They'd just be like, why? Okay. I'm going to put another half check on that one. Okay. I just it, it cuz you're you're confusing Alden living in the glade of the nymphs mm-hmm. in an area of protected magic because literally there are things out there trying to destroy them. Mhm. Uh, you're 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 mixing it up with like Jonestown. <laughs> like No, I'm just having fun with it. All right, we already talked about unreasonable fear about the outside world such as an impending catastrophe, evil conspiracies or persecution. Again, it's not unreasonable because that's yeah. literally out there. Uh does Lord Alden have any uh, meaningful financial disclosure regarding budget or expenses, such as an independently audited financial statement? He doesn't have expenses. <laughs> Alden doesn't. Alden, there's there's no real economy in the Glade. I'll give you an X on that one. Like, yeah, because like the dragon, that's actually kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Alden doesn't have a horde. Uh, are there uh, any tolerance for questions or critical inquiry? Yeah, Alden absolutely. D- if you recall when y'all were standing in front of him, mm-hmm. y'all were kind of rude and he was really chill with you guys. Uh, abs- Alita was absolutely like, can y'all not be rude to literally the thing I worship? But what about absolute authoritarianism without meaningful accountability? <sighs> Again, the problem with 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 talking about accountability is that the metallic dragons were cr- accountable to one another. Mm-hmm. And with all of them disappeared, th- the checks that would be there and that normally are there are not. Mm-hmm. It's another evidence of the world is askew. Um, as far as like, is there any like, uh, I mean, I guess you could make a check, but it's not by Alden's design. Half check. Sure. We'll go with half check again. All right. So, uh, we have, a, we have several split decisions yeah. going on after this episode. We would love everybody either in the discord or on Patreon to comment on this. Uh, I'm probably going to title this episode something like, is Lord Alden the head of a dragon cult? Um, 
Alex, and literally, without listening, half the people are going to be like, yeah, because he's, you know, the thing Alita worships. Yeah, he's a tinfoil dragon. Yeah. Uh, tinfoil dragons are my favorite. Um, they're they're all chaotic. They're I just, not good or evil. They're all I chaotic. I love the idea of just some sort of like Alarian Alex Jones out there. This is like, Lord Owen's seducing more nymphs into his cult. Who knows what he's got them doing? They're saying they're hearing voices and seeing visions. Oh, God, no. All right. So in the next episode, we're actually going to go more into like the realities of dragon worship pre-Draconic War. Because mm-hmm. the realities of dragon worship post draconic war are: is it a cult? Because Alita's literally the only follower. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any final thoughts that you would like to put out there? Um, on this? What was our final like check like system on uh, the thing? for the for the three identifiers? For the three ones, it's a split. It's even. a split tie. For this, we've got let's see one two for the ten point thing. We've got one two three four five uh, five no's five X's. We have two checks and one, two, three half checks. So really it's like five to three and a half Okay. on that, which is not so far apart that it's, that it's, cl- a, it's, that it's clear cut. Yeah, but it, it, it does make me feel a little bit better that I'm not like weirdly like making this, you know, weird Jonestown nymph situation. <laughs> All right, this one was a little bit longer than usual, so thanks, everybody, for sticking along with this one. But this we was thought, a weird episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We decided to do this literally like 10 seconds before I hit record. So we hope you enjoyed it. We'll catch you guys next week. See you in the polls. <laughs>